Welcome everyone to the Score Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host Justin Boone, the lead fantasy analyst at The Score, and today's episode is presented by Head and Shoulders. Offense for great hair, defense against flakes. We got a lot to cover today. We're going to go over the latest injuries, what they mean, not just for week 13, but for the fantasy playoffs as well. We'll talk about the top waiver wire options, who can help you get to the fantasy playoffs and advance once you actually get there. And then since it's Thanksgiving week, we got a three-game slate on Thursday. I'm going to preview those games today. I'm going to go through team by team and what to expect in those ones. And then we'll tackle the the rest of the week 13 games on Wednesday's preview show. But before we get to all that, just a reminder to subscribe to the show on whatever podcast platform you're using. And while you're there, check out the other great shows we got on the Score Podcast Network, like Pound the Rock, our NBA show with Joe Cachero and Joe Wolfon, or the Score MMA podcast with James Lynch, whatever you're into, hockey, baseball, soccer, we got you covered. So look those up on your podcast platform. All right, let's get into it here. We didn't have a ton of significant injuries from week 12, but definitely a bunch that we need to discuss. Carson Wentz had a very unfortunate injury where he got hurt during an interception return. And I always remember these because Terrell Davis, for example, the Broncos running back back in the day, he was like the worst case scenario for that. He basically had his career ended because he was making a a tackle on an interception. We also saw Josh Gordon get hurt earlier this year when he was on the Patriots. He was chasing down a defender. He actually prevented a touchdown. He got the tackle near the goal line, but he got hurt on that one. As for Wentz, though, he wasn't able to come back into the game, had x-rays. They turned up negative, which is good. So he should be able to play through this. It's been a very tough month for Wentz, though. With all the injuries to his receiving core, I mean, he doesn't need injuries on top of that, but all the injuries just to the receiving core it made it very difficult for him to produce. But the Eagles get the Dolphins this week, so we want to see him out there taking advantage of that matchup. His teammate Jordan Howard, he hasn't played since week nine. He's also day-to-day. But between the JHI signing, between Howard himself saying he hasn't regained full strength in that shoulder yet... Howard's looking pretty doubtful for this one. And it's too bad because that Dolphins matchup, once again, that's one where this Eagles rushing attack could finally get going. Miles Sanders is in line to start here. Could be a little revenge game narrative for JGI, though, going against his former team. So they're both going to get a bump up in the rankings this week. Eric Ebron, he's going to injured reserve now. That opens the door for Jack Dole to have a big finish to the season. Ebron's been playing through these ankle injuries. Now he needs surgery on both ankles, so they're shutting him down. And it puts Doyle in position to be a tight end one in fantasy for the rest of the season. Golden Tate took a big hit in the fourth quarter on his touchdown. Came out later that he's in concussion protocol, so we got to consider him day to day. But I know we've seen some players rush back this season and actually play the next week. Normally, it's a one-week injury, though. Normally, they miss the next game. So if he's out, if Evan Ingram's still out... Darius Slayton and Sterling Shepard are both going to be worth starting as wide receiver threes this week in fantasy, but we'll talk more about them when we get to the waiver wire section. Uh, Julio Jones, now we got a brief scare on Sunday. He left the game with a shoulder issue. He was able to come back, though. It's going to be something we're going to have to monitor. They're on the short week. They're playing on Thursday night. We've seen shoulder problems cause several players to miss time this year. And the injuries are really mounting with Julio. He had a foot injury prior to week 12. He was able to play, though. He's likely going to play in this game, I would think. 
it just remember though, with that Falcons team, they're not in the playoff hunt. So that always increases the odds of a star player getting shut down at some point late in the season. For now, I'd plan to have him in the lineup for the Thursday nighter. Keep an eye on the reports coming out of Atlanta. Calvin Ridley, he's been crushing though since Mohamed Sanu got traded. So I'd worry that if Julio was out, it might actually hurt Ridley, to be honest, because then he would get a lot more attention from the defenses. A DJ Moore, another guy, he had a monster game, 126 receiving yards, two touchdowns on Sunday, really in the middle of a true breakout campaign, but he also left at one point. Looked like a very scary injury. I definitely didn't think he was coming back, but he was able to get back into the game. So I wanted to mention, it doesn't seem like he's going to have a problem with it moving forward, but just wanted to make sure everybody was aware of that injury in case it's something that lingers. Hunter Renfro had a legitimately bad injury Sunday, broke a rib, punctured a lung, according to reports. He's going to be out several weeks, maybe the rest of the season. I don't really expect anyone to take his place as far as, you know, fantasy producers go, but it should help Tyrell Williams and Darren Waller see a few more targets. Dwayne Haskins, he actually led the Redskins to a win on Sunday, but he left at the end of the game with a wrist injury. I know some people speculated that Case Keenum had to come in because Haskins was taking selfies with fans on the sidelines. I don't know if that's true or not. It would be pretty bad if that was the case, but Haskins was seen in a sling after the game. Sounds like it's not very serious, though. To be honest, it might be better for fantasy owners if Haskins had to sit out because he's just sailing passes past wide receivers. I don't know if I've ever seen a pro quarterback misses receivers as bad as Haskins has been missing some of these guys missed Terry McLaurin in the end zone at least once I think there might even been a second touchdown that they probably could have had but Haskins couldn't connect with him there so he's really limiting McLaurin's value and it seems like he's going to be able to play this week so we'll monitor his practice participation but if he is in there it's a rare situation where the starter being in there is actually going to reduce the value of his receivers uh, Tyree Kill, just a couple other guys I want to talk about here Tyree Kill and that hamstring Andy Reid early in the week said he's optimistic that Hill's going to be able to get back and play in week 13. They're coming off the bye. Chase Edmonds also coming off the bye with the Cardinals. He was back at practice early in the week, so we really don't know what's going to happen in that Cardinals backfield. I would guess that Kenyon Drake's going to get the most snaps. David Johnson hasn't looked very good, but maybe the bye week allowed him to get healthy really just a mess and going to be a nightmare for me to try to rank this week. But hopefully by the end of the week, we'll have a better idea with practice participation reports and maybe we'll get some news and some comments from the coaches that give us at least a better idea, though it's tough to trust anything Cliff Kingsbury says about those running backs because he's burned us before. I'll also mention just a couple offensive line injuries. Some of the tackles went down this week. Uh, Packers' Brian Bulaga has an MCL sprain, Saints' Tron Armstead, high ankle sprain, and Bears' Bobby Massey has a high ankle sprain. All those guys are going to be week to week, so we'll have to watch to see when they're going to get back into the lineup. Jumping into the waiver wire, bye weeks are finally over, so we have every team in action, including those six teams on Thursday for Thanksgiving. So make sure you set your lineups after waivers process. You don't want to be the owner who leaves a player on your bench because you didn't remember that they were playing early on Thursday. Let's start with the quarterbacks here. Nick Foles is my top pickup as far as streamers go this week. And really, you could play him a couple times down the stretch. He's got some really nice matchups. But this week in particular, I know the Jags have lost both games since he's come back. But Foles hasn't really been the reason for that. Their run defense is terrible right now. Their defense in general isn't playing that great. Foles has thrown for 296 yards, 
272 yards, and that was against a couple solid defenses. Not, you know, really tough matchups, but the Colts and Titans are pretty good against the pass. You could feel very confident having Foles in your lineup this week, though, because he's going up against the Bucks, who've allowed the second most passing yards, the second most passing touchdowns, and the second most fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks this season. So it's a great matchup. We know the weapons he has and DJ Shark and DD Westbrook and Chris Connolly and Leonard Fournette. He's catching a lot of passes. So that is a matchup that you're going to want to play Foles. And like I said, later in the season, he actually gets to go up against the Raiders in week 15 and the Falcons in week 16. So those are all games where you could be playing Foles as your starter. Sam Darnold, I would also recommend picking up. I know he struggled in that Dolphins matchup a few weeks back, and it, it made me a little bit concerned because I had been recommending him a whole bunch for this stretch late in the season where he had all these easy matchups, but finally he's been able to string together a couple good performances here. Has three consecutive top seven fantasy finishes, so that's great to see. And I think he's going to have another one this week because he's going up against the Bengals and the Bengals near the bottom of the league in football outsiders past defense DVOA. So if you haven't already picked up Darno, go out and get him now. A couple other options to look at here. Ryan Tannehill going up against the Colts. It's not a great matchup, but Tannehill's been producing recently. Had four total touchdowns last week. So you could look at him and Mitch Trubisky going up against the Lions. But we're going to talk more about him when we get to the Thanksgiving preview in a second. At running back, there's a few options who could actually help your teams right now. If we're talking about guys that are around that 60% ownership mark, who I didn't actually write up in the column, I do mention them at the top. Jonathan Williams, Latavius Murray, Darius Geis, they're all right around that borderline cutoff that I have, so you can go pick them up. But looking at guys who are available in a lot of leagues, Benny Snell. Now, the reason here is James Conner normally is very optimistic about his chances of playing. We know he came back, re-injured that shoulder, wasn't able to play in week 12. And now this week on his radio show, he said, I need to be smart. If I'm not, then surgery will need to be done. I had a minor setback versus Cleveland. It's killing me not being out there. The ligaments need to get stronger. That does not sound like a guy who thinks that he's going to play in week 13 or maybe even beyond here. And Snell played very well. I mean, I was shocked that Jalen Samuels didn't get more work in that game. He really got relegated into sort of the committee that they had behind Benny Snell. And it was a great matchup going up against the Bengals. But Snell had 22 touches, had 103 yards from scrimmage, and played on 49% of the snaps in that game. So they got favorable matchups coming up against the Browns this week, the Cardinals, and the Bills over the next three games. So I'm not looking at Snell as a guy who is a game-breaking talent. He's not someone that we think is going to come in and take over this job for the long term. But he's got a great opportunity ahead of him here if Connor remains sidelined. So you could put him in the low end RB2 conversation this week, and we'll see what Connor's status is moving forward. I know everyone's very excited about Rashad Penny. He's only owned in 19% of leagues. Came out, had his second double digit touch game of the season this week. It was kind of a surprising one, actually. Prior to this, He had only gone over 60 yards once this year, but then in this game, Chris Carson was struggling. He put the ball on the ground twice in this one. He's had ball security issues all year long and really his entire career. And then you see Penny get 14 carries in the game and he was producing. So they kept feeding him, had a season high 29 yards and a touchdown there. 
Pete Carroll said there's no reason not to get Penny back in there in week 13. I don't think there's going to be a situation where Penny takes over this backfield, though that is a possibility. It's within the range of outcomes, but I think we're looking more at this becoming a little more of a split than what we've seen. So while it helps Penny and and keeps him in that RB3 flex range, it really is going to do more to hurt Carson's value, and it might pull him out of that RB1 ranking and more into that RB2 range for fantasy. And I'll also say keep your expectations in check, though, because they're going up against the Vikings this week, which is a very tough matchup. LaShawn McCoy and Daryl Williams. Now, this one's up in the air a bit because we got an update on McCoy early in the week from Andy Reid. He said he's not in concussion protocol, even though he left uh, before the bye. He left late in that game, and we thought that he might have a concussion. Either he's cleared it or he never entered the protocol. But Damian Williams hurt his ribs, and we didn't get an update on him yet, so we don't know if he's going to play or not. Now, McCoy's owned in 51% of leagues. Darrell Williams in just 6% of leagues. We'd be looking at a bit of a split between those two if Damian Williams isn't able to go. I'd see McCoy as more of a fringe RB2. Darrell Williams in that RB3 flex range, but you're going to want to pick up those guys because we know this offense can produce. We know the numbers. We know what their running backs can do. Abo Scarborough is the other guy that I'll talk about. Two appearances with the Lions. He's played over 50% of the snaps. He's had stat lines of 14 for 55 and 1, 18 for 98 and 0. Not getting used in the passing game whatsoever. So in PPR, that brings his ceiling and his floor way, way down here. But going up against the Bears, whose run defense has really disappeared due to injuries recently, Scarborough could be somebody you could get into your lineup this week, maybe as an upside flex play, could be interesting. He's very touchdown dependent. For him to have a big day, he's going to need to find the end zone, but he could do that in this matchup. I don't really love his schedule moving forward, though, in the fantasy playoffs. Got the Vikings, the Bucks, and the Broncos, so you might only have him for this one week, but if he can find the end zone in that game, could be a good play there. For wide receivers, looking at that 60% mark, some of the guys up there, Will Fuller, Debo Samuel, D.D. Westbrook, even Robbie Anderson is back into that range after he had a good game. Got a little more confidence. Maybe he could produce a little bit down the stretch here. He's going to be pretty volatile. And the first guy on my list here is also going to be pretty volatile. It's A.J. Brown. And that's because his targets really haven't been there this year. And that's part of the problem with him. He's only seen more than five targets in two games this season. The Titans offense, we know it's built around Derrick Henry. It's not built around the passing attack. But we've seen Brown have some big days. He's put up stat lines, a three for 100. 3 for 92 and 2, 6 for 64, 4 for 81, and 4 for 131 and 1. But then on the other side, he's mixed those in with six games where he's been held under 30 yards. So it's really total boomer bust for him in this offense. But I like some of the matchups he has coming up as well. He's got the Raiders and the Texans in week 14 and week 15. So the rookie could be a potential fantasy starter early in the playoffs for you. Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton, who I talked about briefly earlier with Golden Tate and concussion protocol with Evan Ingram's status, really unknown. We have both those guys in the mix. They're going to get more volume. Shepard should get that slot role to himself now. He's really been able to produce there. It hasn't been as good when he's been on the outside. 
and Slayton's been getting it done. He actually, with everyone healthy there, he led the receiving core with 67 receiving yards in that last game, and that was in a tough game against the Bears' pass defense. It's going to get much, much easier coming up. He gets the Eagles, the Dolphins, and the Redskins in the fantasy playoffs and Green Bay this week, which isn't the toughest matchup in the world. So you can consider both Shepard and Slayton as fringe wide receiver three plays during this stretch. Randall Cobb, he's just been continuing to produce, even in a very tough matchup against the Patriots last week. He still got it done, has at least 85 yards in each of his last three games. If Cobb is going to continue to produce over the next three weeks, He's going to need to do it against some very quality pass defenses, though. I know we just saw him do it against the Patriots, so it gives us some hope. This week, he goes up against the Bills, the Bears, the Rams. So he's got some really, really tough opponents here. So that caps his ceiling a little bit. But with Amari Cooper playing at less than full health, Dak has to rely on some of these other options. And Cobb is one of them. So you can pick him up. And Nikhil Harry, the Patriots receiving core is really completely up in the air behind Julian Edelman right now. We have injuries across the board. You have Mohamed Sanu missing time. You have Philip Dorsett missing last week. And then you had Nikhil Harry and Jacoby Myers step in, both produced for fantasy. Myers had a pretty decent game there, had over 70 yards. You had Nikhil Harry find the end zone. I like Harry more moving forward, not just because he's the first round pick, but also, he can give them a lot of what Josh Gordon was providing this offense with. That big body, the guy who can make contested catches, give them a bit of a red zone presence that they don't really have right now. And maybe they haven't really had since Rob Gronkowski retired. So, Nikhil Harry's role could get a lot bigger. And he played on more snaps than Myers last week as well. He was up in that over that 80% range in that game. So, Harry could be a bit of a breakout candidate down the stretch. But we got to see what happens with Mohamed Sanu and Philip Dorsett's injuries. I'll also throw out Auden Tate only because Andy Dalton is going back under center. We saw Tate produce earlier in the year when Ryan Finley went under center. Didn't really get much done there. That whole offense kind of ground to a halt. But with Andy Dalton coming back, still going to be tough for the Bengals to produce points. But Auden Tate can get it done, especially in an easy matchup with the Jets this week. Jumping over to tight end. Dallas Goddard is up around that 60% ownership mark. He should be owned in most leagues at this point. Jack Doyle, though, is the top ad here, and it might seem high. I put a $19 bid down here for him, but at this point in the season, what are you holding on to your money for? If you got trouble at tight end, Doyle could be the solution. We've seen him produce, really, his stats across the board double when Ebron's out of the lineup. So with Ebron on IR, you got to expect Mo Cox is going to get a little more involved. But Doyle's going to be the guy at tight end there. So I like him as a tight end one moving forward. Ryan Griffin, who I talked about last week, he's all the way up to 44% owned. He came through with his fifth touchdown of the season on Sunday. Over his last seven games here, he's put up at least 50 yards and or a touchdown five times. That is great production for a tight end. And that run is probably going to continue up against the Bengals this week. And the Dolphins next week. So a very nice run here for him that should continue for at least two more games. He's going to be in that tight end one mix. Getting the back end of it, but he'll still be in that tight end one mix moving forward. Some other guys to mention. Noah Fant going against the Chargers. David Njoku could be back this week. He's somebody you could go pick up. I'm not convinced that he's going to be able to produce. We haven't even seen Odell Beckham consistently produce in this offense. Really, Jarvis Landry's been the only one that's been consistent in that passing game. So whether Njoku will be able to get it done or not, we don't know. But we know that the possibility is there. This offense has some good matchups coming up. 
So you could grab him now to see if he's going to be back this week or at least down the stretch for you. And I want to finish up today by taking a look at the Thanksgiving Day games since it's a bigger slate here, especially for DFS. We'll start with the Bears and Lions. That's kicking off at 1230 Eastern. Last time these teams met, Mitch Trubisky threw three touchdowns. And I know we cannot trust Mitchell Trubisky. But that was only in week 10 that he threw three touchdowns. It wasn't that long ago. So not a lot has changed between these two teams. And he's actually thrown three touchdown passes in each of his last two games against the Lions. So he's going to be a high-end QB2 with a high ceiling and a very, very low floor. Makes him a risky play, but we know he can get it done in this matchup. The Lions are also a pretty nice opponent for David Montgomery, but he's been struggling late. Held to 31 rushing yards in week 11. 22 rushing yards in week 12. He's not that involved as a pass catcher, so he can't really make up for it there. And he also hasn't found the end zone since week nine. Then you have Tariq Cohen, who has actually outrushed Montgomery the last two games. Shocking to say that, but, and he also offers a lot more as a receiver. He has 12 catches over those last two games. So Cohen remains a PPR option. Montgomery is a touchdown dependent RB3 in this one. He only had 60 yards on 17 carries in that last game between these two teams. And it was a game where the Bears were able to put up some points there. So you would have liked to see a lot more from him. So I'm a little iffy about playing him this week. Allen Robinson had a decent performance in that game though, a couple weeks ago, six for 86 against the Lions. He's coming off a six catch 131 yard one touchdown game in week 12. So you could fire him up as a high end wide receiver too albeit he's one with a lower floor just because of that unpredictability from Trubisky. Also, I want to mention Anthony Miller. Taylor Gabriel's in concussion protocol. They're on the short week. Don't expect him to play. So Anthony Miller has seen 20 targets over the Bears' last two games, has 12 catches for 131 yards in that time. He's still a deep flex play. He has all the same risk that everyone else has in this offense because of Trubisky, but he's definitely someone to consider on that Thanksgiving DFS slate. I'm not playing any of the Bears tight ends at this point. It's touchdown or bust with them, and the odds of getting a touchdown there are pretty low. Uh, For the Lions, Jeff Driscoll is much harder to trust after he really put up a stinker against the Redskins. And I know it wasn't so awful from a stats perspective. He still was able to rush a little bit, and that rushing floor is nice to see. But he had three picks in that game, and it was just a reminder of... The quarterback that he is, he's really a backup. And what you see with guys like Ryan Fitzpatrick, for example, they're backups. When they're starting for too long, the flaws start to come out. The turnovers start to come out. And that's what we're seeing with Driscoll right now. So while I love that rushing floor, well, he has some upside with some good weapons around him. I'm not touching him this week because the Bears pass defense, a much tougher test than the Redskins were last week. You could do worse than Bo Scarborough, though, at running back. I know he's not a great option, Talked a little bit about him earlier there, but the Bears' struggles against the run, coupled with that volume that he's been getting, it could make him a player that surprises this week if he can find the end zone. Just sucks that he's not involved at all as a receiver. I'm lowering the ceilings for Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones just because of this matchup, but both playable as wide receiver two, wide receiver three options. And then TJ Hawkins is playing through the shoulder injury. He's hard to trust until we see him get more involved, which I mean, that might not happen until 2020. Maybe if Matt Stafford comes back late in the year, we could get a little bit excited about him. But Hawkinson is going to be a very good tight end for a long time. We're just not going to be able to trust him this year in fantasy. Moving to the Bills versus the Cowboys. 
Josh Allen has been remarkably consistent when it comes to fantasy this year. I know on the field, not always, but he has been very consistent for fantasy, showed a very high floor just thanks to that rushing ability, helps him continue to deliver. And I know he's got a very tough upcoming schedule here, but he came through in a tough spot against the Broncos, had two passing scores at 56 rushing yards, and the Cowboys have shown some vulnerability to rushing quarterbacks this year. Daniel Jones had 54 yards against them. Uh, we had Jeff Driscoll at 51 rushing yards against them. I wouldn't be surprised to see Allen actually have a stat line similar to what Driscoll put up, which I think was around 200 passing yards, had a passing touchdown or two, and then 50 plus rushing yards and a score on the ground. I think we could see something like that from Allen here. It's definitely possible. So it keeps him as a low end QB one. Devin Singletary, he's been giving the Bills everything they could have hoped for in this rookie season, but fantasy wise, He's being held back a little bit. Josh Allen's involvement in the rushing attack, that's part of it, especially around the goal line. Allen often picks up those touchdowns. Then you got Frank Gore involved. Whenever it's a positive game script, like last week, Frank Gore gets a lot more work. So the Cowboys not being a great matchup, all that other stuff included, I wouldn't really consider this a great spot for Singletary, but he's still going to be a low-end fringe RB2 and he has the upside there, just the odds of him finding the end zone are a little tougher with all those situations around him. John Brown has been extremely consistent at receiver, really the most consistent fantasy receiver outside of Michael Thomas this year. Brown's got 50 yards and or a touchdown in every game this season. The Cowboys really eliminate big plays downfield. That's sort of how their offense is designed, but Brown has shown he can produce regardless. Cole Beasley entering a revenge game here. Cole Beasley with the revenge narrative. He's been sneaky good lately. Since the Bills week six bye, Beasley has at least 70 yards and or a touchdown in five of six contests. And the fact that the Cowboys are going to do their best to try to snuff out those deep passes, it's another reason to look at Beasley and other slot receivers this year, like Julian Edelman, like Jamison Crowder. They've had a lot of success against Dallas. So He's a guy who could sneak into your lineup as a flex option this week. Bill's rookie tight end, Dawson Knox, he could be left on the waiver wire. The the Cowboys are a decent matchup for tight ends, but Knox's playing time, his production, all that stuff has dipped since Tyler Croft returned to the lineup, so I wouldn't be looking at him. On the Cowboys' side, Dak is in tough again here. I mean, the Patriots last week, they allow the fewest fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks. Now he gets the Bills, who are third in that category. Only one quarterback has thrown for multiple touchdowns against the Bills this year. They've been pretty good at limiting uh, rushing yards from quarterbacks as well. So you got to lower Dak's projection in this one. He's going to be more of a a borderline QB1 sort of in that range. For as good, though, as the Bills have been at stopping passing attacks, they've actually been getting steamrolled by running backs. And I think that's by design. They really sell out to stop the pass. And they know that that's going to open them up to the ground game, but it's working for them, right? The pass is what can really hurt you. It's a lot harder to just dominate on the ground if you're shutting down the passing game like they are. So Ezekiel Elliott in a good spot here. They might just be fine with him doing whatever he wants to do. He's a top five option at running back. Amari Cooper has been struggling lately, and he's had these tough matchups just like Dak has, especially when you're looking at who's been covering him. Darius Slay of the Lions, Stefan Gilmore of the Patriots. Now he gets Tredavious White, and outside of Devontae Parker, who did a lot of his work in garbage time, we haven't really seen a number one receiver do much against the Bills this year. White is a big reason for that, so Cooper is going to be down in that wide receiver two range again this week, really maybe on the borderline of that wide receiver two range. 
he has insane splits at home. And that's really the only reason that I would have any hope for him in a really tough matchup here. Michael Gallup's going to remain a, a high upside wide receiver three, even in the tough matchup. Randall Cobb also worth consideration in that range. Like I mentioned earlier, slot receivers, they tend to be the ones that can have some success against Buffalo. Uh, Jason Witten, purely a touchdown or bust guy. And most tight ends outside of the top options are really touchdown or bust guys now, but the Bills are outstanding when it comes to shutting down tight ends, so I'd look elsewhere for tight end help this week. And then finally, the night game. The Saints going to Atlanta. This game has a 49-point total. Could be a good one for fantasy purposes. The only question mark around this game is what happened the last time these two teams played. It wasn't that long ago. It was just a few weeks ago, but the Falcons defense came off their bye shocked the world, just dominated the Saints somehow. Brees had 287 scoreless yards, but last year, by comparison, in the two games that he played against the Falcons, he had seven total touchdown passes in those ones. So I think we're going to be a little bit closer to that because if you just look at the Falcons defense this year, earlier in the year, they were just getting dusted by quarterbacks. Multiple passing scores in six straight games going into that bye. Then they come off the bye. They don't allow a touchdown pass for two straight weeks. And then maybe last week's outing is, you know, things getting back to normal because Jameis Winston threw three touchdowns against them, went over 300 yards. I'd expect that Breeze is going to have a, a similar line to that. Not the interceptions necessarily that Winston threw, but the positive, the yards, the touchdowns. I think this is going to be a good game for Breeze. Alvin Kamara, he hasn't scored a touchdown since week three. Fantasy owners, including myself, very upset about it. But the volume's been there. This isn't because Latavius Murray's eating into his usage. Kamara had over 20 touches each of the last two games here. Went over 100 yards from scrimmage in both of them. Still a solid RB1 play, even with Murray being a, an upside RB3 play. The Saints are seven-point favorites. Their rushing attack should do just fine in this one. Michael Thomas is a receiving god. As good as it gets for fantasy wideouts, we don't even need to waste any time. He's the top play. Well, Ted Ginn and Traquan Smith, they're more dart throws. You're, you're hoping that they're going to hit that big play. Definitely possible against the Falcons here, but they're more volatile dart throws. Jared Cook, though, he's becoming potentially a top five option here at tight end. I mean, he's really come on. His last five stat lines, four for 41 and one, three for 37 and one, six for 74 and oh, two for 33 and one and six for 99 and one last week. So you can play him with confidence. And then on the Falcons side, Matt Ryan somehow, somehow didn't throw a touchdown last week in that juicy matchup with the Bucs. I don't know how that's possible, but it's going to be a tougher draw against the Saints this week. Even if Marshawn Lattimore's out, I mean, that would help. But Ryan has multiple passing touchdowns in each of his last three games with the Saints. I keep my expectations a little lower for this one. I still see him as a QB one though. Not touch of the Falcons backfield. Brian Hills let us down. Kadri Olsen, the rookie, got more work last week, but he's very, very touchdown dependent. And if Devonta Freeman somehow is back for this one, which I doubt, but if he plays, he would be more in that RB3 range until we see him produce. He hasn't been great when he's been coming back from injuries, when he's been playing hurt hasn't really produced the same. So I want to see him do it before I really trust him as an RB2. If Julio plays, you're starting him as a wide receiver one. No questions asked. It's Julio Jones. Calvin Ridley been crushing it the last two games. 22 targets. Turned them into 14 grabs, 228 yards, and two touchdowns. 
He's a wide receiver too now in fantasy. And then their third receiver, Russell Gage, he's also worth looking at. He had 10 targets last week, had 76 yards there. With Austin Hooper out, with Julio banged up, with Sanu gone, Gage is intriguing. He still has a low floor, but he is an intriguing fantasy play. And if you're looking for a deep play at tight end, Jaden Graham had a 53-yard catch last week. His playing time went up, saw the field on over 65% of the snaps in that game. If they give him more volume, we could see him have a big day. It's a tough matchup against the Saints, but it might only take a play or two for him to have a big fantasy day, especially if this one turns into a shootout. That is all for today's show. Remember, you can find the the full waiver wire breakdown for week 13 over on the score. That's up now. Make sure you subscribe to Fantasy Alerts from the NFL Fantasy News section on the score app and follow me on Twitter at Justin Boone. There's a lot to be thankful for this time of year, but I will say big thanks to all of you for consuming my content, for interacting on social media. Really, you are what make this so enjoyable for me. You've all been so great to me. I appreciate the support. I appreciate you guys listening to the podcast. So big thanks for listening as well. And we will see you next time. Said leave on time, my baby. Said leave on time. Leave on time with me tonight. Said leave on time.